Welcome to my basement, everybody. We have a fantastic guest for you guys today. I have known this man since I first met him at Activision. Zoe Flower and I showed up at Activision to talk about Spider-Man for uh, that Neversoft made for the PlayStation 1. And we talked to a gentleman called Todd Jefferson at the time, but now he is TQ Jefferson. And uh, he has had a storied career working on all kinds of incredible games. And we're going to get into that. A lot of them that you love, a lot that I love. But currently, he is the VP of uh, Games at 20th Century, or 20 VP of 20th Century Games, which is owned by Disney. So don't, don't get too confused by any of this stuff. TQ Jefferson joins us on Vic's Basement. Thank you for uh, coming on the show, sir. Hey, Vic. How's it going? It's going great, man. It's been a few years since uh, we've connected, I think, on camera, at least. I mean, we've chatted a little bit over Facebook and stuff, but uh, mm -hmm. um, you were working at Disney when I, or Marvel, I think, back at, back mm -hmm. at the time. Um, right. and, and how, so how long have you been now working at 20th Century Games? Uh, so uh, I started 20th Century Games in March of 2018. So uh, it's been uh, just over two years now. And here's an interesting bit of trivia. Um, this is actually my third uh, uh, tour at Disney. Wow. Um, for some reason, Disney keeps acquiring places that I work at. <laughs> so you, you had left Disney, but then they bought Fox and you ended up back at Disney. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. I started to think about um, getting you on the show because obviously we, we go way back and there's lots of point of interest here to talk about. But uh, you kept posting stuff about working with Arnold Schwarzenegger on uh, Predator Hunting Grounds. And you yeah. clearly ha had some stories to tell. Let's, you, you just launched this game. How is, how is Predator Hunting Grounds doing? It's, it's doing really well. Um, you know, big kudos and, and, and thanks to the team at Ilphonic and the people at Sony for putting this game together. Um, you know, this came about because uh, the team at Ilphonic are just huge uh, Predator fans. Yeah. Uh, they're just junkies for the IP. And they had just uh, come off making uh, the Friday the 13th game that was uh, right. asymmetric multiplayer. And they pitched us this game, and, and I just, you know, and hearing the pitch and looking through the docs, it's like, you know, this might just be the perfect representation of uh, game, gaming experience for Predator that uh, I could possibly think of. Uh, just a, you know, a, a specialized fire team working in unison against uh, a, a player-driven Predator. Um, and it's, it's, all, it's just amazing. And it's also a, a, a love letter uh to the um the 1987 movie so we obviously always want something to be as authentic and on brand and as possible and and try to push into new new territory if we can and if it's within scope and and we can deliver it at a high quality and the the team just really nailed the look of the uh the 87 film it's like you're actually in that jungle in Valverde, and you know they nailed the look of the predator the, the, the sound effects, we kind of help them there, but the sound effects, um, the fire team, the weaponry, all this, all every facet of the game feels authentic. And then just as like uh, the, we would have been fine with that. You know, if that was the 1.0 and it was Predator, fire team, updating weapons, that sort of thing uh, uh, in live ops, uh, new Predator skins, that would, be, would have been great. 
And then they came to us and said, uh, we want to try to get Schwarzenegger. April 2025. It's hard to believe that I'm still here recording this. Uh, to be Dutch. We're like, hey, you know what? Not, why not? Why not? Let's knock yourselves out. <laughs> yeah, go for it, guys. Well, and, and, and that sort of thing, I think, for a lot of teams could just end up being a distraction, right? And that's right. that's where, you know, you, you have to parent the team a little bit, where it's like, okay, that's that's great, guys, but you really need to work on delivering the experience. They, they're already doing that. So, and, and in the course of working with them, we just established a nice rapport, good trust between the two, uh, between the three parties, actually. So when they brought it to us, it, it was just like, sure, why not? Let's, if you can get them, get them. And uh, so we, yeah, we helped out where we could. But um, the craziest thing was that Arnold Schwarzenegger agreed to it. And, you know, uh, Elphonic wrote a script and it wasn't just, let's just drop Dutch from the movie into the game, right? And this is the part where I was saying, authentic is great. If we could push into new new territory at the same time, even better. So when we, you know, they fully pitched what they want to do with uh, Schwarzenegger's character, not just Dutch from 87 as a skin, but Dutch from 2025 and audio uh, uh, tapes or files that you find in game along the way that narrate, that are narrated by Schwarzenegger, talking about what Dutch has been doing from 87 until 2025. You're just like, again, you're like, <laughs> sure guys, what? We're wishing, <laughs> let's just do it, right? Um, and we're looking at it, if we look at the script, we're like, wow, he's not, he's never gonna read all this stuff. Um, you know, it's like he, I think Arnold, had 500 words in the in the Terminator 2 movie, right? So we're like, this this is just too much too much dialogue. But he he got the script. Not only did he did he read all the uh, the the narration, he he loved it. He just he thought it was the coolest thing. He thought it took the character into a, a very interesting place, That's and awesome. he was he was just he was completely on board. And uh, I mean, I'm still a little gobsmacked by the idea that we got him. So now um, do you guys have at Fox, do you have the opportunity maybe to take this game idea and translate it into a, a new Predator film starring Dutch? Well, um, I'd love to say, I'd love to say yes, but um, you know, I think the, the, the best way I can answer that is that we do work closely with franchise and theatrical. Yeah. So they know every step of the way, we just, we share. Um, yeah. So that, not just so that we, don't step on any toes or we end up spoiling stuff. It's just, we're creating some cool stuff. Let's see it everywhere if we can. Let's just share it with, with all the other people that are touching Predator. Um, so theatrical knows what we've been doing. Franchise knows what we've been doing. Uh, I wouldn't want to guess if uh, uh, they, they pick up any of that, pick up that ball and run with it. But uh, I'm just happy that we got him in our game and we, we delivered something that no one was expecting. That is so kick-ass. Was, uh, was all of this done during the pandemic? Was he recording all of this stuff at his house and sending it to you guys? Well, he, we recorded him before, you know, the world shut down. Yeah. So we, we got him in maybe a, a month or two before uh, everything ground to a halt and people had to start working from home as a matter of course. So, um, but the interesting thing about that is the, the team, the dev team and the people at Sony, you know, they're making this game. They made this game. They finished the game and could release it 
in quarantine. Um, and they're continuing to add content, to, add, to uh, update it with, with uh, uh, patches, and they're doing this all from their homes. And I think that's, you know, that's professionalism. You know what I mean? I mean, a lot of teams are doing this now, but, uh, you know, this is the team I'm working with, and I get to see them do this in real time. And it's, it's amazing that, the, that they're getting content out. They've set a schedule. They're hitting their dates, and it's just been awesome. You've seen everything in this business. When you go to Moby Games and you pop in TQ Jefferson, your list of titles is ridiculous, my friend. You worked on uh, X-Men Origins, Wolverine, Spider-Man 2, the classic Spider-Man 2, which really gave us open world superhero experiences. The terrific Deadpool game that I think is a super underrated experience. That was fun. You've been around a lot of... Um, even Batman, you did Telltale Batman stuff as well. Like, you've been around a lot of really massive brands and franchises. And there has always been in video games this idea that, uh, you know, licensed games are, can never be as good as original stuff. And, you know, I'm actually doing a series right now on our channel about uh, classic side-scrolling super game, superhero games because I love all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And what I'm finding is that maybe they don't reach the, you know, a lot of licensed stuff doesn't reach the ultimate highs or the critical acclaim of uh, some of the original stuff that's out there. But there is an importance and a value to a lot of these games based on these properties, uh, not just to kind of appease a fan base, but also to create kind of a historical, you know, moment around these, these mm -hmm. titles. But every once in a while, we do get a game like Spider-Man 2 that changes everything. And, you know, you're the perfect person to ask this. Like, what do licenses and things like superheroes and, and massive, you know, international brands like that, what do they mean to games? And should people be changing their, you know, their preconceptions about licensed stuff? Uh, yeah, well, I, I mean, I think I, I lived through the era of that I would call the licensed movie video game right yeah. and what that that period was defined by was um you know on the uh, on the back end invisible to the, the the players was uh on the business side rather were massive mgs going to um you know the ip holders or the the the, the licensors um uh, and you know rushed development um you know, not enough time to polish, not enough time to fully realize the idea because they were everyone was trying to hit the film's date or right. ideally two weeks before the film. Right. Um, and what you got to see as a result was a lot of like unfinished work going out into the world. And I think as uh, games, um, uh, mature, games as an industry matured, the technology got better, the execution of uh, the definition of a AAA well-executed game raised the bar significantly, um, and the price of games went up. All of these created an atmosphere where end users got more discerning tastes and, yeah. and, and were, had more ready access to information and sharing their experiences with each other. Mm -hmm. All of these created uh, an atmosphere wherein um, you couldn't just put anything in a box because back then we had boxes, believe it or yeah. not. Yeah. Um, you couldn't just put anything in a box and put it on a shelf and it was the power of the brand that you could sell several million units. Now you had to actually put something good in the box. Um, and I when, think that's... When did that change? 
when did what, what game do you think really kind of ushered that in um gosh that i would say that for me uh that was around 2010 2011 i saw that shift right mm -hmm. and it's a it was a slew of games it was but it was a lot of um a lot of licensed games were all being released under that sort of formula um right. or, or it's, it's not really a formula it's a circumstance yeah. and uh people sort of pushed back and voted with their dollars um so what we saw then were some some real i think um necessary shifts in how these games were made um Gone was or going away was the idea that the film the game has to release against the film. Um, you know, it can release before, after, but really quality started to drive these games in the same way they were driving the non-licensed triple A, double A, um, triple I uh titles that were in the market. So there was a leveling of the playing field there, you know. Um the, the back end business dealings were, were also shifted where they were recognizing that um, the same old thing wasn't going to work anymore. And, and, and IP licensors, IP holders were understanding that um, enabling the teams, enabling the design teams to develop the best game they could was better business than trying to load the front end with with a, a massive MG. Not that they don't happen anymore, but just, you know, uh, the trend started to shift. And what's, what's an MG? Sorry, that's right. I'm just in my <laughs> game industry uh, speak. Uh, <laughs> minimum guarantee. So it's ah, just, okay. part, it's, 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 it's a, a, a payment that goes from publisher or licensee to licensor um, as part of uh, the agreement to secure the license. Gotcha. So, um, you, know, you know, just making sure that this is how much we, you know, we'll give you this much because we, we think we'll make more than that in case right. things go sideways, you have this money. Um, and I, I guess the other factor in all of this too is that a lot of the uh, the licensors, a lot of the people that were in charge of these brands and these characters and things, were now starting to become real gamers as well, right? I guess that's an ingredient in there too. Is that it? No longer was it just like this frivolous toy thing that they thought of. It was a or a beach towel or whatever. They actually really believed in the value of the stories that could be told through games. Yes, exactly. There have been there have been some groundbreaking titles out there that that did prove that video games were 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 more. They were they were art. Uh, they yeah. are art, and that they can tell a story and they can you know, evoke uh, real emotion. And I also again I think as the technology matured and the fidelity got better, uh, the gap between um, video game graphics and animated films in particular or even yeah. live action films got smaller and smaller sure. um, to the point now where, you know, John Favreau uh, um, has famously uh, used Unreal in the creation of uh, the Mandalorian uh, TV show. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, but to your point, a lot of the, the filmmakers, like I'd say this generation of young filmmakers, um, grew up playing games they they're they're tech savvy and um this is it's it's what they do to relax it's what they do to just sort of meditate so games there's no there's less of a stigma there's no stigma there um yeah yeah so uh 
I think it's 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 moving into a renaissance of story of storytelling, uh, sophistication, fidelity, and um, uh, ubiquity for the technology that's really helping games move into its next evolution. Well, TQ, I think you're underplaying the uh, uh, you know the contributions that you and the dev teams that you worked with have done to push this whole idea forward. You worked on four of the best Spider-Man video games ever made. You worked on the <laughs> Spider-Man game for PlayStation 1, Spider-Man 2, Ultimate Spider-Man, and Spider-Man Shattered Dimensions. And, uh, you know, you proved, you and the people you worked with proved that this was not only a fantastic character for video game medium, but games that were created and crafted with that kind of fidelity and that much love uh, could be in, uh, you know, invaluable to this business and unbelievably influential. And, mm -hmm. you, you know, I know that you've got a lot of memories to parse and you know, a lot of games that you've shipped, but let's talk a little bit about your time with Spider-Man because I know one of the things that you were able to do is also build a bit of a relationship with Stan Lee and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, help, you helped, you were one of the people that helped bring Spider-Man to the, to game screens in a way that we'd never seen before. Oh, I, I, don't think I would ever make that claim. Um, you know, uh, absolutely, the dev teams um, that uh, were that touched the product never soft. Uh, Treyarch, um, Insomniac, most recently with their stellar Spider-Man game. Um, you know, they did they did all the hard work. Um, yep. You know, I I counted I counted the lines of webbing just to make sure it was it was on point. But um, with with uh, with Stan Lee, um, yeah, it was he was uh, for me anyway. He was a voice that I grew up with. I grew up watching the cartoons and having his narration at the opening of every act. And he was just someone that was constantly there. And um, and all of his creations were just such an inspiration and driving force in my life. Um, so when and I got the the actual opportunity to work with the man. Uh, I think uh, one of the first times was I had actually written dialogue uh, for him. Just that again, those chapter openings, and that was Spider-Man Two: Enter Electro. Wow! And uh, you know, he came in to record. Really, really nice guy. We're showing him stuff that you know may as well be sorcery to him, but he's he's getting it right. He's because he just knows the character so well. He's just it, you know. It was, in his imagination, this is what the character always was. Um, and it was just this, this wonderful moment of, of feeling like you've made it. Like, it's, it's rare that you get to um, meet your heroes. Um, and it's even rare that they live up to your um, expectations. He was a hero to me, and I got to work with him several times. And each time, it was just amazing. So, um, you know, the game industry provided... Um, the, 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 the opportunity for me to meet and work with this great, this great man. And um, I think there's our, but there, I think there's stories like that dotted all throughout the game industry, you know, um, because it's such a creative field and uh, the reach of games and the, the ambition of games is at the equal to or exceeding any other medium that's out there. And that's drawing in, all sorts of talented people. Um, you know, the, the storytelling has become so sophisticated and so mature and, 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 and so entertaining um, that 
people, you know, from other, from film, television, what have you, that, you know, maybe would have disregarded games a few years back are seriously, they're, they're intrigued by it. And I yeah. think that's, that's amazing that the games are bridging that gap. You, you, uh, I think you started in, uh, in QA, you were testing games and, and uh, trying to break them so that they wouldn't be broken when they actually went yeah. to retail. Um, but what is it about you that got you in the direction of working on uh, you know, comic book games and now movie games and stuff? Did, did, did you have this you know, obvious love for all of this other medium, uh, media and these brands and these characters that the companies that you worked with have always sort of recognized in you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I worked in um, the dungeon at Activision in, in Santa Monica, as we affectionately refer to it as, uh, uh, when I first started in games. But before that, uh, I've been a lifelong fan of comics, pop culture, um, you know, Marvel, DC, Godzilla. These were the things that were huge to me. You know, my, my, the first job I ever... Uh, first job I ever wanted um, was to be the guy in the Godzilla suit. Um, you know, <laughs> everyone else wanted to be a doctor or a lawyer or a policeman. I'm like, I want to be the guy in the Godzilla suit because that's fantastic. Have you uh, ever had that dream realized? I met the Godzilla suit once. And okay. it, it was a solid six inches shorter than me. And it, <laughs> it's where, like, this is where you don't want to meet your heroes. You know? Yeah, and, yes. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, regarding, um, you know, I grew up with it when I moved uh, away from home and went to college. Uh, this was in the early 90s. My, my mother would send care packages and the care packages would include VHS, VHS, yeah. VHS tapes of... Um, the 92 X-Men, the X-Men animated series, because she didn't right. want me to miss out on on the episodes. So it was, you know, my parents, you know, being supportive and, you know, not, not demanding that I play football or something like that, just letting me do, you know, gravitate to things that just interest, interested me, right? Yeah. And um, so all of these, these things, cartoons, movies, uh, video games, comics, have always been a part of, of, of my DNA. Um, but when I was at Activision, there was a, a head of marketing, his name was uh, Will Kasoy, mm -hmm. um, and uh, he had, when Activision had just gotten the, the Spider-Man and X-Men licenses, uh, I started making noise. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to work on one of those. And um, word had gotten around that there was a guy in the basement, in, you know, in the dungeon that knew everything about Marvel. And uh, so Will took me to lunch one day and it was... It was one of those, um, it was almost like a caricature of a conversation. Like, so, X-Men, what's that about? You know, and <laughs> I'm like, are you serious? Like, uh, if you got time, I'll tell you, you know. Um, but that was sort of like the, the, the start. So after that, I moved out of uh, QA, went into, um, into production at Activision, which was kind of the path in video yeah. games you're in qa you you tend to want to go into production or dev and got to work on spider-man got to work on on x-men um and and 
then that's start to become a bit of a specialization. So all those types of games, and not just Marvel, but um, when we were chasing DC licenses, for instance, you know, I got the opportunity to uh, draft up game concepts based off of Batman, Superman, uh, Constantine was another one that we went, we were looking at. So it, it just sort of, I got to lean into the things that, um, I'd loved all my life. And I was like, this is amazing that I, this is a job. It's not, it's not a hobby anymore. It's a job. Um, I'm enjoying it and I'm actually having creative, uh, uh input into where, you know, some of, some of the decisions that are being made around this IP. And it was just, it was great. And in the course of making games based off of comic books, you get to meet the, the Marvel guys, the DC guys, you get to meet all these people um, that make that industry tick. And um, it's just great collaborating with, with people with that sort of creative drive and energy. Was it, um, I, I, you know, I know this sounds a bit uh, idyllic, but was, was it truly, did it feel like dreams coming true? It did actually, um, you know, it's at first, I, I, I'll admit this at first when I got into games, it was um, constant uh, near panic because <laughs> I was one of those people that I would use computers to write my term paper and then that's it. So there was a lot of on the job learning that I did. And until I got through that, there's a lot of every day was, oh, this is, it was imposter syndromes. Like every day I'm going to come in and someone's going to go, you know what? We figured you out, you know, hit the bricks. Um, but after that, you just, and, and you start to see a future in it. Um, you, it, it just becomes super fulfilling. You know, I think one of the greatest things about um, video games is, and likely for film and television, any sort of creative work is that the whole process starts with what if. Yeah. What if we did this? What if this happened? What if uh, uh, so-and-so walked into a bar, you know, and, and, and then having the ability to bring, to bring that to life, I think is amazing. And that's a huge gift and it's super fulfilling. That is awesome. Sorry about the phone call there. Can't, I mean, we're, we're recording this live, so there'll be a phone mm -hmm. in there. Um, uh, it, when you look back on the games that you've been able to, to work on, is there one that you feel you know, the greatest affinity for or that you're proudest of or you, you have the fondest memories? I know that's a very hard mm -hmm. question, um, but you know, maybe there's one that you added some things to the game and it just it really means something to you. Oh, boy. Um, I think that there are games um, in sort of every era or every every company I've been at that there's one of those yeah. um, that has happened. You know, uh, I was at Skybound and we did, we made a, a Thief of Thieves game. And it was just because it was so unlikely that we'd make, we'd, we'd make that game. It was a, a pretty cool moment. Um, at Marvel, I think it, when we made Marvel versus Capcom 3, and we changed around the roster and we brought in characters that people weren't expecting. And um, that was an incredible it, game, man. It, it was just, and it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was awesome. I, Deadpool was ridiculous. Everything, the funnest thing about Deadpool was everything that we held firm as a rule for, say, Spider Man 
Wolverine, you know, et cetera. All that went out the window. So um, it was, let's figure out how many rules we can break, you know, um, and what are the strangest things we can do in a game with a character? Because it was all up for grabs with, with Deadpool. I think that's, that's why he's so fun, because anything can, literally anything can happen with the guy. So that was, that was super cool. Um, Disney Infinity was, was amazing, because it was such a huge uh, project that touched so many different parts of the business. And, um, and, and, and I, listen, I am sorry that that didn't yeah. work out for you guys, because I yeah. was a huge fan of Disney. I mean, I know a lot worked out, but I, I wanted yeah. to see more, and I'm sure you did too. Yeah, I mean, it's it's I, unfortunately that that happens, but they what can't be taken away from me is the experience that I gained um, participating in that project. So yeah. uh, it was a Herculean effort, and it did go out there, and people did get, did get to play it, and they they did get to enjoy it. So I thought that I think that's great. Um, but you know, there are also also things like we did a game at Activision called Battlezone, mm -hmm. and uh, it was a. It was an upgraded version of Battlezone. It had this really crazy story about a, 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 a armies on the moon, and yep. you, you drove in a hover tank, and it was a hybrid of gameplay styles. And that was the first game I got to actually design levels for, and um, and that was fun. And they made it into the game, and you know it was super cool because we did some. I, I managed to get some some unique. Um, unique gameplay elements in there that weren't in any other part of the game. So that was a super, uh, that was a proud moment because I went from, you know, the near panic of I'm going to get found out and booted um, every day to actually building levels that have been published and have gone live. And now uh, as part of 20th century games, um, you know, working on Predator is, is amazing because there's such um, there's such a, a, a visceral fan base and community around that character. Um, anything, anytime I get to work on Alien, um, I, it's a special moment because Alien was one of those films that traumatized me as a child. Totally. So now I've come full circle and now I'm making games with Alien. So anytime I'm talking about that, I just, I, I relish the irony of where life takes you. You know? Did you did you want to use this moment to confirm a new Alien versus Predator game? You feel free if you'd like to. No. Okay. <laughs> nope. I'm not even going to be coy about it. No. Uh, I'm not, not going to take this opportunity to to announce a game. Uh, as a as a fan of all of this stuff, has it has it um, uh, is it ever kind of a drag to kind of see behind the curtain and to kind of know the magic before the magic is there or have you long ago reconciled with that? No, no, because I'm still I'm still such a fan of this stuff, and I yeah. I love um, I love discovering it. I love discovering stuff alongside other people, so we can all huddle up and just be nerds for a bit. Sure. Um, you know, I think if it, if anything, it's when when I get to read a script. Like if I if I have to read a script, I kind of dread reading the script. Sure. Because yeah. Um, because then I know, you know, then I know, and I start forming, um, imagery in my mind of what that looks like. And then once I see the film, I start comparing the two. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, so that would happen a lot. Uh, nowadays, again, like I said, with the drift away from, um, 
a desire to replicate the film in some sort of way or match the film, you know, one-to-one or uh, adapt it. Um, I, I read scripts less because it, it's, it's, it doesn't matter as much. If I know the gist of what it is um, and the team knows the gist of what it is, then we can, we can build being mindful that we're not spoiling anything, but I don't yeah. have to read I don't have to get super deep, but, you know, but I get a thrill out of like looking at artwork, um, looking at stuff. And then, especially if it's, if it doesn't make it into the film, it's like, oh, there was all this cool stuff that, you know, I actually got to see that no one else got to see. So then it's a, it's a treat. Is it the same kind of thrill to be creating something, knowing that there's going to be a fan base out there that's going to love that thing that you're creating as it is to, go to a comic store and pick up a bunch of comics that you've been really looking forward to. Is it, is there a similarity there or is it a different kind of thrill? Uh, I think it's, it's, yeah, it's a different thrill. Um, you know, um, yeah, there, I, I still do, or before, you know, um, shelter at home, I would still go to the comic book store. You know, I would have my pull list of, of books um, reserved for me and then spend another 45 minutes to an hour just walking around looking at things. And that's always just a fun, that's a fun day to me. Um, the act of creating something based off of an IP is, I think, a different sort of energy, right? Um, this is when, because going to the comic store and buying something, that's, that's externally driven. You know, it's like like watching a movie or watching TV. It's externally driven. You take it in. When you're when you're creating something based off of an IP, uh, original or or licensed, it's it's internally generated. And I think that's that's different parts of the brain. That's different sort of feelings of reward. Um, and if it makes it onto, I'm in a position where I get to see a lot of different projects, and um, I try to make suggestions. Um, you know, or ask questions and, and the team is going to do, going to make the best game that they can. And if something makes it in, that's awesome. You know, cause then I can actually point out, yeah, Hey, that was something I did. Um, but even if it's just helping the team make the best game they can, it's, it's again, it's, it, it's still internally generated. And that's, that's a, a singular feeling. That's fantastic, man. Um, are your folks, I, I don't know if your folks are still with us, so, but I want to know if, uh, you know, your folks have been able to see you realize a lot of these dreams. Unfortunately, my, my parents aren't with us uh, yeah. anymore. And, and, you know, I was fresh out of college, you know, when they, they passed. But um, my father was an artist. And um, so I grew up in that sort of creative atmosphere you know, watching him paint or do something in charcoal or pastel or um, all sorts of different um, imagery you know, uh, adorning the house. And I picked up some of that from him. So I think, you know, they knew I was on that trajectory. Um, and uh, I'd like to think that they'd be pleased with the fact that I've gone and found something um, a little off the beaten path. You know, yeah. I found it early. I stuck with it. And, and I still continue to love doing it. And I think it's, you know, any parent just wants their kid to be happy, you know, yeah. and, and I found something that um, makes me incredibly happy to do. So, um, so yeah, I think uh, I, 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 it worked out all right. 
That's awesome, man. It's been a, uh, you know, an inspiring few weeks in America and around the world, you know, based off of the horrific murder of uh, George Floyd and the protests that have been going on. And um, what, what have your thoughts been as you've been watching, you know, people all over kind of rise up and wake up and, and uh, address this head on? Uh, My feelings are I'm, I'm hopeful that the energy um, coming from this flashpoint in, in, in our, in our lives um, is a sustained one. Um, We live in a world of tremendous distraction and, and tremendous stress and a lot of uh, uh, forces are pulling at us at every, every given moment. So, um, it's going to take the work of a lot of people um, to keep this this energy moving forward, to keep this idea uh, uh, moving forward, to demand progress, to keep to to keep the the goal of progress in sight, even though there could be a hundred other things in between you and it. So I'm I, I feel that the world's been here before, yep. you know. Um, several times you know it's almost a a pattern um but you know i'm also seeing that um i've seen posts about changes about um you have no choke laws uh about um you know uh, striking down qualified immunity and i'm just i i'm trying to choose to be hopeful at this point that this is going to keep going that um everyone is going to find sort of the personal champion inside of them to keep, to contribute and keep pushing this forward. What, um, you know, how, how do you think the video game industry has kind of uh, accepted uh, uh, black creators and, and, uh, you know, brought black creators into the fold to help build up game ideas and what can the video game industry be doing and how has it been so far? How has it done so far? Well, um, I think there's, there's, I think there's room for improvement. I think there's a lot of room for improve, improvement. Yeah. You know, um, I'm a black executive in the gaming industry and there are not too many of me. Yeah. Pure and simple. Um, you know, but I also, uh, think that this is a, this is a change that has to be driven from, or has to come from, has to be a bottom up change. Um, it, I, I don't think it's going to be a lateral change by pulling people in from other industries. I think it's gotta be sort of from the bottom, the ground up. And the role of people like myself or any exec is to broaden you know, uh, your, your worldview and try to seek out talent in places that maybe you hadn't looked before. Um, and if there are people uh, at the beginnings of their careers and you can reach down the ladder to help them up, it's, that sh- that should be in your job description. Like that's how important it is, right? Yeah. Like um, MBA preferred, help others on the way up. You know, that should be the very next thing. So I think there's a lot of room for improvement. Um, I think it's, it's, again, this flashpoint has created an, an awareness and a moment that, um, you know, it's going to be character revealing for a lot of people and a lot of companies. 
and the decisions they make now, the, the policy changes that they put in place, the initiatives that, that are born out of this are going to be very telling. Um, and, you know, I'm just, again, I, I'm choosing to be hopeful that we all take this moment to do more. I, I share that optimism and that hope. Um, and it's, it's, um, it's, in, it's insane that this is all happening during a pandemic, you know, because I, I would imagine that if you were able to go into the office and look at your colleagues in the face and have real discussions around this, it would be at least a little bit different than the Zoom meetings that you're probably likely having right now. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk a second here about representation, because we just saw Miles Morales make a huge impact in the PlayStation 5 reveal. I bet mm-hmm. you're excited about that. I am incredibly excited mm-hmm. about that. I loved Into the Spider-Verse. Um, but how important is it for us to have protagonists and, and, you know, superheroes and just any heroes, any, any kinds of people in the media that we consume, how important is this representation, um, for this business and for every creative industry? I, I, I can't stress enough how important it is. Um, you know, when I was growing up, you know, there were heroes like, um, you know, there's Batman, there's, there's Superman, you know, there are characters like that, which, you know, if I wanted to dress up as those characters for Halloween, you know, even if, even if I had the costume exactly right, it doesn't look quite right, does it? Um, and the characters we had were, were sidekicks and minor characters, that sort of thing. So there's, there was an aspirational ceiling that was uh, in place. And having characters like Miles, um, you know, come into the spotlight, having films like Black Panther, you know, uh, go out there and perform as well as they do, um, are are a signal and a rallying cry. And it's showing uh, kids, you know, like me, that there is someone out there that they can reach towards and and draw inspiration from and i think the the more of we, these we have it's just it just represents the makeup of the, of the world better yeah. um you know that's what, uh, that's what i'm always saying man like it's like when you walk down the street you don't see just a bunch of white people you see every kind of every kind of person every kind of human and in all of the stories that we get Exactly. Almost all of them. It's always just white folks, and it's ridiculous. I mean, it just doesn't mm-hmm. reflect reality, and it's yeah. it's got to stop. Yeah, exactly. And and again, I think people are more aware of it than they ever have been. Yep. You know, and you're you're seeing um, a lot of declarations of 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 effort to make change, um, and. You know, but you also have to wait. For, you have to look at look for the follow through. You know, it's it's one thing to say, "Oh yes, this is very." We acknowledge that this is serious, and yes, Black Lives Matter. And what else? What else are you doing? What else are you? Uh, 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 how are you contributing to the solution beyond acknowledging that it's uh, there's a problem? So um, again, I think there's just there's a. a a ton of work to do, um, and uh, I, I'm just hoping that this 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 energy persists. That it keeps rolling. That it keeps driving towards in- improvement. Awesome. All right. Well, I share that too. Um, we don't have a Black Panther video game. 
who who do we have to bug to get an awesome Black Panther video game? That I bet you know guy. a couple people. <laughs> I, I, I'm aware of those. Are the, you want to talk to the Marvel guys? You should have them on next week. <laughs> <laughs> that was an awesome baton toss. Uh, I definitely, I definitely will have those guys on. Um, but speaking about that, like, is there, is there a property or a superhero that is like in? Uh, you've worked on so many, but is there like a dream one that you haven't been able to, to be a, a creative participant on, or that you would just love to play? Is there one out there that you really want to see handled properly? I yeah yes. I would love to, I'd love to play a Wonder Woman game, to be honest with you. Yeah. I think um, something that has a strong sort of narrative, maybe choice driven, but I think that there are themes in Wonder Woman um, that could be incredibly compelling if they're done right. You know, sure. she has the, 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 lasso, the, the lasso of Hestia, which, you know, the lasso of truth. And... I think there's something very cool there from a narrative standpoint. Like, what happens when my tr my truth and your truth collide? You know, whose truth is more valuable? Whose truth does the, the does she have to recognize? Right. And I think that's what they were they were touching on that in in the first film. I'm, uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I think there's just something. There's a real depth to that character that um, in a lot of unexplored places that I think would be very interesting to see. That is an awesome choice, man. And it's funny that we have brought up Black Panther and Wonder Woman and they're two mega successful movies that the mm -hmm. world desperately wanted. And we yeah. don't have video games that represent those characters, which is, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, I think that you see bits of them sprinkled in here and there and other characters, but I think those characters in and of themselves have um, rich, uh, rich, uh, rich uh, uh, worlds, uh, depth of lore. Um, they have cool power sets. Um, you know, I think there's there's a lot of there's a lot of gameable uh, uh, um, stuff there. Absolutely. Um, can you tell us what you're about to work on? Any? Can you give us any hints of uh, some stuff that we should be looking forward to from 20th Century Games? Um. No, I can't really give you anything. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm going to make a compilation tape of everybody just saying, no, like, nah, I can't say no. Nope. Does everyone do that? There's like, Every, yeah. I, Dude, I had yeah. Gary Witta on the show, and, and the week later, he's like, I just wrote this Square game that everybody's talking about right now because it's in the PlayStation 5 reveal. I, I can say this because it's already announced in part of the world um, that we're, we're making an Avatar game with Massive. And... You know, talking about talk about a team of just professional game developers and and super super creative people. This is um, the the division massive. Oh yeah. my god! So I'm that a big is, fan. that is massive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm a big fan of uh, the division one and two. I, I play a lot of Ubisoft's games, and just to see what they're doing with the Avatar license and, and, and the characters in the world, it's breathtaking. So, um, so that's, that's something I can, I can speak to. That is awesome. TQ, I got to let you go because I know the phone is ringing for you, but uh, I want to have you back on the show and I'll definitely be reaching out again for, uh, to, to bring you on when you're ready to talk about some new stuff. And there's a lot of unexplored stuff that we didn't get into, uh, but mm -hmm. man, keep it up.
you do fantastic work and, and uh, you know, I, I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing a little bit of your story. Thank you, sir. No, no, thanks for the opportunity, Vic. I mean, you got me on the, on the line to talk about comic books and video games for an hour. It's, 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 a great, it's an awesome use of my time. So uh, happy to come back. Maybe we can do it in person next time. That would be the best. Absolutely. Let's count on that. So thanks for watching, everybody. We'll be back soon with new content for you. And in the meantime, you know what to do. Play forever.